Today, we are joined by Matt Wyrick from NBC Sports Washington. We're going to get into the big picture Nationals talk around town, but also Matt Wyrick is from this area. We're going to talk about the legacy of Steven Strasburg and how he should be remembered. We're going to get to everything and more right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is sponsored by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. And when you enter promo code locked on MLB, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. And again, thank you guys for making locked on nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host of the mostest, Ryan Clary here. You can find me over on Twitter at RyanClary11. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network where you get your team every day. And as I said, later on in this program, we will be discussing Game 3 of the Diamondbacks National Series getting slated for a 1 o'clock start. Is it going to happen with all this smoke in town? Well, I'll just have to see about that. Later on in the show, we're going to get Matt's big picture talk about this rebuild. He's been in and around covering this Nationals team for a while now, or used to cover the Washington Nationals team for a while now. But then we're going to start off with talking about Steven Strasburg and his legacy here in Washington, D.C. So, Matt, how are you doing, my friend? Can't complain, Ryan. It's good to good to be here. Good to talk some Nats and of course, you know, not amid happy circumstances for Strasburg, mm-hmm. but, you know, always happy to reflect on some of those good times. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Matt, you you did cover the Washington Nationals here for a little while now. You saw you were there for that press conference in 2019 when Steven Strasburg got that big contract. You were there. You saw the reactions. Everyone was happy here in Washington, D.C. I could tell you I was thrilled and it just hasn't been the same, hasn't it? No, I mean, obviously, that was the the peak of Steven Strasburg's career, winning the World Series MVP, going through uh, the contract negotiations, his second extension with the Nationals, setting a new franchise record uh, for most total guarantees. And, you know, he just hasn't been available ever since. Obviously, several different injuries uh, with the carpal tunnel neuritis and, of course, the thoracic outlet syndrome that have basically shut him down and as many outlets have reported now, potentially threatening him from ever pitching again. Uh, it, it's really sad just how far he, this, this guy has fallen. I mean, he was an, a national icon. Uh, the quote that he kept throwing around in that press conference you mentioned was that he was a national for life, and he took a lot of pride uh, in being that. You know, his mentor was Tony Gwynn, who obviously was Mr. Padre uh, before he died, and he wanted to take kind of a card out of that book and uh, be that version of a player for the Nationals franchise, the Nationals fan base, and ultimately injuries just haven't allowed him to do that. Yeah, let's take it back to that 2019 season because obviously Steven Strasburg, when he made his debut back in 2010, being the number one overall pick in the 2009 draft, he had insane expectations from day one. And some people here in town are like, well, did he reach those expectations? And it's like, well, what were you expecting from him? And when I'm asked that question. What I expected from Steven Strasburg was to be a front of the rotation guy, someone who's in the Cy Young mix, 
basically every single year. And honestly, I thought that we got that from Steven Strasburg. I've seen a lot of people over the last uh, few years, you could say, since that 2019 run, be like, Steven Strasburg wasn't really what we thought he was back in 2019. And I was like, what are you talking about with that? A lot of people have been kind of down on the whole legacy part of this with Steven Strasburg. So as we get into that here, Matt, what do you think about Steven Strasburg and living up to expectations? Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, the expectations were sky high. We're talking about one of the most highly regarded pitching prospects to come out of the college ranks that we have ever seen. Uh, And obviously you are expecting him to be a Cy Young contender year in, year out. You're expecting him uh, to be a a hall of famer. And, you know, those are high expectations to put on anybody. And, you know, at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, because of these injuries, uh, taking away the latter half of his career, Steven Strasburg is not going to be a hall of famer, but he almost certainly did live up to those expectations was one of the most dominant pitchers of his era. I love to point to this list from 2012 to 2019. Strasburg ranked fifth in strikeouts from over that span. The only players ahead of him were Scherzer, Sale, Verlander, and Kershaw, the four greatest players, arguably, of this generation. So Strasburg at his peak was right up there with them, and he was absolute nails in the playoffs. Multiple different runs for the Nationals. You know, he had his flu game against the Cubs. He had obviously that 2019 run. Uh, And he holds the distinction of being the only number one overall pick to go on to win World Series MVP. So, you know, if that's not living up to expectations, I'm not sure what is. Exactly. And it's so tough to predict. Like a lot of people are like, well, why would you give him this contract with this long injury history? And it's like, well, he just won the World Series MVP. He just came off probably one of his best career years honestly in his entire career and he had a decade-long run of pure dominance in my mind and I've always said this and I truly believe it when Steven Strasburg was out there from 2010 all the way through 2019 you couldn't tell me that he was one of the most consistent starting pitchers in all of baseball meaning you know he's going to go out there and you know he's going to give you a quality start and while he may have not had the years of 280 strikeouts or whatever it is like a like a Max Scherzer it doesn't mean that Steven Strasburg wasn't that kind of guy as well because Steven Strasburg while it was limited and while the peak of his career wasn't as long as we would have hoped the expectations part of it is what we got a decade long long run of dominance in my mind and I think people just kind of look by that and just kind of like yeah whatever because we've seen Max Scherzer going to his late 30s and he's still his dominant self when he was 31 years old. And that's just not the case for most major league pitchers, if not 90% of them in my mind, especially as you get older. And with the injury history of Strasburg, it's just a tough one to nail down. But the big problem that Nationals fans have, they're like, why did you give him that contract? And it's like, I keep on coming back to this question, but you would be lying to me. If you were to tell me back in November of 2019 that we were all debating this, are you going to pay Rendon or are you going to pay Strasburg? I was on Team Strasburg, and if you were to ask me today, I still would have been on Team Strasburg. Yeah, I I think a lot of people forget just how much pressure there was on the organization right then. I mean, going immediately you know, on the night of the World Series parade, Strasburg opting out of his contract to open up what was expected to be a very interesting offseason with both him and Rendon being free agents and Bryce Harper having gone through the whole ringer just a year prior. So, 
fans already had that sour taste in their mouths of Harper leaving. Obviously, the, the World Series kind of quelled that a little bit, but, you know, they wanted to see their star stick around. And uh, ultimately, you know, they decided to go with Strasburg. As, as Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post reported, they did not get the insurance on that contract, which is certainly coming back to bite them now. But, you know, it, it, it's a fair question of, you know, what insurance company would have been willing to take out a policy on a player like Strasburg, given his injury history that he'd had throughout his career. I, I count 15 different IL stints uh, throughout his entire MLB career through various injuries. So, you know, it, it was a hard decision. Obviously, when you're going to give a, a lot of money to a player, to a pitcher, especially over 30, you're taking a big risk. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And that's exactly what the Nationals have found with Strasburg. And, and ultimately, with the, the Corbin contract also weighing on them as well, it's kind of compounded a little bit with the two of them really hampering their ability to build a competitive team. And really what I, I think was one of the biggest factors that led to them tearing things down and going into a rebuild. Absolutely. And you brought up something there that I, I, to be honest, didn't even really know about is that the insurance company, like everyone's like, Oh, why didn't the learners just buy insurance? Why didn't they buy that? Well, to my understanding, that would be about another eight figures on top of it. And you're asking me now, I'm saying that yes, it's still worth it knowing his injury history and the learners and Mike Rizzo, they all know about the injury history. It's no debate there. But the insurance company could also say, no, we're not going to insure that guy. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, it's totally their prerogative what whether or not they want to do business. And you know, some of these contracts really haven't worked out. And when you talk about pitchers, they're the players that are most susceptible to injury of any player uh, mm -hmm. to step on a baseball field, as we're seeing ultimately with, with Jacob deGrom right now. Uh, you know, who knows if the Rangers took out an insurance policy on him? You know, they did on Prince Fielder, and that ultimately helped them out a lot. Um, but, you know, deGrom's injury history also is, is pretty bad. So I'd be very interested to see you know, what exactly was the case there? Because I'm sure there are a lot of parallels you could draw with Strasburg. Yeah, man. If you were to ask me back in 2018 that Jacob deGrom and Steven Strasburg would be going through what they have gone through over the last years, I would have called you crazy. It's really nuts just to think about it. And really with Steven Strasburg here locally, it just it's just a gut punch, man. But again, guys, you guys can always catch the Nationals play like today against the Diamondbacks at one o'clock Eastern time and catch every pitch of the Nats hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Before we get into some big picture Nationals talk here with Matt Wyrick from NBC Sports Washington, I got to tell you guys about our friends over at Bird Dogs. And guys, Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. I can vouch for them because look at me. I don't have thin legs here. I got tree trunks for legs, but when I put on my Bird Dogs, not only do I feel confident, but I look great. And Bird Dogs uses anti-sink sweat winking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. My Bird Dogs, I can just tell you guys for this. I can't say the name of them over the air here, but Bird Dogs is the right fit for you. And for anyone out there, trust me when I say that, can, you can go to birddogs.com slash MLB and enter promo code LOCKEDONMLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash MLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. I can promise you that. And now we get back into it with Matt Wyrick from 
NBC Sports Washington, covering the Capitals now, but he has been on the Nationals beat for a while. He's from the area. He knows this Nationals team. And if I'm correct, Matt, are you still watching this team every night? Oh, absolutely. You know, you can never uh, take me away from baseball. I'm going to find my way over to it one way or another. That's what I thought. And you know what? You've watched this team, and I don't know if you know this, but I've always been a big Lane Thomas guy. And when I talk about this 2023 Washington National Squad, I just think you can't take away from what he has done so far. And what are your what are your general thoughts on Lane Thomas and what he has kind of proven so far this season? Yeah, you know, I, I go back to last year. Uh, Mike Rizzo went on the junkies and called Lane Thomas a part of the team's foundation, I believe was his wording. And there was a lot of uproar about that. Uh, or maybe it was the word core was the word mm-hmm. he used, but there was a lot of uproar over how could you consider Lane Thomas to be, you know, part of the team you're building around moving forward. You know, he's proven just to be a fourth outfielder, blah, blah, blah. Really hadn't proven anything. He hadn't played a really a full season yet in his MLB career. And now we've seen him play a full season. And, you know, I'm not going to come out here and say that Lane Thomas is some kind of superstar, but he is a very productive player. He's solid playing outfield, especially on the corners. He hits for, for decent power. He actually draws walks at a decent clip. Uh, I really like what Lane Thomas brings to the table, and I think you could absolutely build a winning team with him on the roster. And, you know, just for the where this offense is right now, they've really needed him to be this kind of player that he is to to keep the offense moving, uh, to provide a pop on occasion. And, and I think he's done a tremendous job so far, and it just amazes me that they were able to get him for, you know, a couple months of the ghost of John Lester. <laughs> That's what I, I bring up that so often on the show. I mean, that, like, you could talk about all the trades that Mike Rizzo has done. I mean, there's just none better than that, in my opinion. Just because John Lester was, let's just say, god-awful here. He was not good. I'll, that's me saying it, not Matt. He was not good here. And you got someone who is ultra-productive, and he's under team control for a pretty good time. But I've talked about this a little bit over the week. And Lane Thomas, while he has been very good, the Nationals – kind of have to consider what they have to do with them moving forward because you have James Wood, you have Elijah Green, and you have Robert Hassel. There's plenty of outfield prospects in this national system, and I've kind of made the argument that Lane Thomas has been so good up to this point, and as we saw with last year, the reason why the Nationals traded Juan Soto when they did is because that is when his price tag was highest with multiple years left of team control, multiple postseason opportunities to go with him. Now, Lane Thomas is not Juan Soto. He's not going to get anything near to what the Nationals got in that package. But would you consider training Lane Thomas come this deadline in 2023? Honestly, right now, I don't know if it's in the Nationals' best interest to trade Lane Thomas. Look, they've got a lot of top prospects, particularly outfielders uh, in their farm system that are going to be making their way up, hopefully to the major leagues here in the next year or two. But you want to have too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to all of these young players, all of these outfielders, you don't know which prospects are going to stick and which aren't. You know, point over to the, the Orioles right now. They're in a very similar position where a lot of their top prospects are outfielders. They have so many that, you know, their AAA outfield could probably be a major league outfield right now with all of the talent that they have, all the f- former first-round picks that are there at the moment. Uh, but they still have Cedric Mullins. They still have Austin Hayes. Ryan Mountcastle can play in the outfield. They are creating you know, they're letting these prospects kind of fall into place where they're needed. Obviously, Cedric Mullins just got hurt. Colton Cowser might be a, a guy who gets called up here in the next couple of weeks to take that spot. Sometimes those holes just kind of open up naturally uh, and, you, and you just kind of let them fall in. Other times you have a, a guy like Trey Turner 
who comes up is ready to play in the major leagues, but shortstop is taken. So they find a spot for him uh, and he, you know, proves himself that way. So I would rather go into, you know, if, if 2025 is say the year that you want to contend again, I'd want to go into 2025 with that problem with too many players to roster and let things sort themselves out on their own. Because in the end, I think talent really wins out. And that's how you end up with the best team, the best roster that you can move with moving forward. That's a great point too, because like when talking about Lane Thomas, to be honest with you, I, I've kind of made the decision in my own head that if Lane Thomas continues his production at the plate, that you kind of have to consider moving on from him and just taking the highest bid that you can possibly get. Now, what is that? Who really knows nowadays? Trades are so weird. So many different things happen at the deadline. Different guys become available. And so Lane Thomas may not generate the biggest outcome that some people would want to think. But obviously, Lane Thomas isn't just what has been a solid point to this season in 2023. It's been Josiah Gray, someone that you've covered with the Nationals over the last year and a half. What do you have what have you seen from Gray that has stood out to you the most and what has kind of led to this renaissance season here in 2023? Yeah, you know, I, I thought it's been really cool to see his development and growth mentally. Uh, in just a short amount of time in terms of how he pitches and, and how he approaches facing opponents. You know, last year, he was very big on wanting to be a fastball pitcher. He wanted to establish the fastball and let the breaking balls work off of it. If he gave up a few home runs, that's going to be okay because you know he's going to get the strikeouts to, to limit uh, the, the damage that those home runs bring. However, he was walking a lot of guys and he ended up allowing the most home runs in the majors. And he realized okay, this isn't going to work. I need to try something different. So he's throwing much less, fa- much fewer fastballs now, throwing his more effective curveball and change up and to a lot of success. You know, he's not racking up a ton of strikeouts. He actually uh, was a, probably a better strikeout pitcher, a pure strikeout pitcher last season, but the overall results have been much improved. Uh, you know, uh, he's far from a finished product right now. I'd say that probably the same for pretty much everybody on this roster at the moment. But I, I think if you're the Nationals, you have to be really pleased with the development and growth that Josiah Gray has shown, you know, not just being a thrower, not just going in with one mindset and, and refusing to change it, but adapting to how the league is adjusting to him uh, and, and showing that he can grow from that. Absolutely. And Mackenzie Gore, obviously, has been a very bright portion of this season. I kind of talked him up a lot this offseason. I truly have believed in the stuff that he has brought. A lot of MLB prospect guys who do this for a living and do all the top 100 rankings dropped him a ton for some hiccups down in the minor leagues, but you've also seen the stuff is there. And the movement of his breaking pitches do not lie. And especially with his fastball and the way that he has been so far, striking out so many batters this year on that fastball and as well on the breaking stuff. Mackenzie Gore has been a treat to watch. And I I can count last year as his first like half season in the major leagues. But again, like he was only there. And when he was with San Diego, while he started off awesome with them, just like he did with us, it kind of fell off a little bit as we got a little later on into that season. But what have you seen from Mackenzie Gore? What do you like about him? Or maybe what don't you like? from him? Yeah. I mean, the, the ace potential is, is right there in front of you with Mackenzie Gore. I mean, he throws so hard, his breaking stuff, particularly his curveball. Just absolutely nasty. I mean, we're talking about backbreaking stuff here uh, that he can do, you know, with from multiple arm angles, 
you know, similar tunnels from his fastball. I mean, it, it really, you can see how he can t- become, you know, not just maybe a middle of the rotation starter, which is kind of what Josiah Gray's ceiling looks like. You can see Mackenzie Gore being a potential ace. Now, he's, like we said, far from a finished product, you know, really been struggling with command this year, particularly with the fastball. It kind of gets away from him. Uh, you know, we saw in that start against the Padres, he came out super amped and was kind of all over the place. He's had trouble working deeper into games. So, you know, being able to harness that velocity and, and use it when you want, you know, that's something that Max Scherzer did really well. Uh, you know, he would be throwing 94, 95 in the first inning. But by the time he's you know running out of gas down in the seventh and eighth, he'd actually saved enough to be throwing, you know, 97, 98 there at the end of his starts. That's something I think I'd like to see from Gore is, is control that fastball velocity control when you want to throw as hard as you can versus when uh, you can save a little bit for later. And, you know, I, I think if he can get that command down, you know, sky's the limit for this kid. He he really does have all the potential in the world. Exactly. And, and as last year with Josiah Gray, that, that command was an issue as obviously he led the national league in walks in 2022 and come this year, it still hasn't been perfect, but even then the improvement of that and getting the command hitting his spots you've seen the difference in the numbers but even then when you look out there he's getting into the sixth inning with only 88 pitches or whatever it may be that's something that Mackenzie Gore is going to have to work on but even then you've seen the numbers early on and he's been really good while not having the best command out there in my opinion so it's really just a treat to get to watch these two guys compared to last year's rotation but thank you guys for making locked on nationals your first pitch your first pitch your first listen the nationals play the diamondbacks today at 105 you can catch every pitch of the nats hometown broadcast with sirius xm on the sxm app and guys as we gab the last little stretch here in the show, Matt and I are going to preview game three here, but we're also going to talk about a Washington national bullpen guy who was just DFA'd yesterday. And we're going to tell you guys about that after this. And now we get back into it. As we said, there was a nationals bullpen reliever or reliever. You could say not bullpen guy. Jeez. It's been a long day, Matt, a nationals reliever who was DFA'd. And surprisingly, or not surprisingly, it was the Nationals 2022 Pitcher of the Year, Erasmo Ramirez. So, Matt, how do you kind of take that away of it? What did you see from Erasmo Ramirez? What went wrong this year? What happened? Yeah, you know, it's a bit of a fall for him, you know, being a guy who was kind of an organizational success story last year, you know, scooped up uh, on a spring training invite and, and turned into a very valuable reliever. Uh, who turned in 60 outings for sub three ERA last year? You know, like you know, he, he was the the pitcher of the year. That was probably more <laughs> a product uh, yeah. of the players that they had left that when it was all said and done than anything else. But uh, you know, he was definitely a, a very solid pitcher uh, for them in the back end. And you know, being 33 and, and, and just the volatility of relievers in general, you know, from year to year, it, it can be really tough. But you know, I, I think that this is almost really pointing to. The, the struggles that the bullpen has had as a whole, you know, they obviously just DFA'd Andreas Machado as well. So really doing those in almost back-to-back days here. Uh, you know, I think Mike Rizzo is kind of making a bit of a statement. You know, the, the Nationals bullpen is, you know, one of the five worst ERAs in baseball. They've really been struggling here over the last few weeks. It's kind of been a thorn in their side. They've had some games where it looked like they were going to pick up some really uplifting wins and uh, the bullpen kind of blows it right in the end. That Ronad uh, Odor home run off Hunter Harvey the other day. Uh, really stands out in my mind, but there's several examples of that 
throughout this season. So, you know, I, I think that this is a, you know, this is a team that they're willing to give chances to guys. And, you know, if a, a veteran pitcher, uh, you know, who should be doing better isn't, uh, you know, and they can give a chance to a guy uh, who's a little bit younger, who's a little bit, you know, more uh, unproven to see what he can do. You know, this is the time that they're going to do it. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say that the move surprises me at this point, uh, but it's more uh, just a sign of, of just where the state of this bullpen is right now, because certainly uh, I would say it's been the most disappointing part of the roster so far this year, especially after last year when it was a pretty solid group. That's the part that drives me nuts about this is that I, I truly believe in this Nationals bullpen. I was going into this year and all offseason I was talking about, I was like, yeah, don't worry about the bullpen. You got Kyle Finnegan, who in my mind I thought could be a closer. And even then, if it wasn't going to work out for him, then you have Hunter Harvey. And if it wasn't going to work out for Hunter Harvey, you got Mason Thompson. Hunter Harvey and Mason Thompson had both kind of looked the part, but again, you're using them a lot. Both of these guys are still getting adjusted to major league uh, hitting and everything that has to come with that major league life. But then you have Kyle Finnegan, on the other hand, who's been with this team since 2020. And I was kind of the Lone Ranger who liked him. And I think he has looked a little bit better as the season has continued to go on. But still, he's not getting the job done either. This Nationals bullpen has kind of been a complete utter disaster in my mind. And we could talk about that for days, but obviously the Nationals do play the Diamondbacks today. Josiah Gray's on the bump. Matt, what's your real quick prediction on this Nationals team and what they can do game three, if they get it in, I guess, with all the smoke in the air? I don't know. Yes, certainly uh, uh, up in the air, uh, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, right now. But, um, you know, this Diamondbacks team, uh, they're, they're dangerous, man. I, I was really high on them coming into the season. They've got a lot of young talent. Uh, you know, they play matchups really well. So I'm sure uh, they're going to be stacking the batting order uh, against Gray uh, in this game, just like they did last year. I believe last year, uh, Josiah Gray faced an entire lineup um, of righties, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I do remember that. And mm-hmm. that was like the first time in his career he'd ever done that. So, um, you know, their, their makeup's a little bit different this year. They're obviously going to get some of their stars into the game. But, uh, you know, this team, you know, I was just going through my all-star ballot. Uh, and, and having to decide between Corbin Carroll and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. for one of my outfield spots in the National League was really, really tough. Both guys have been tremendous uh, in the middle of that order, and, and Corbin Carroll certainly has a case uh, for Rookie of the Year. So, you know, I would just say get out to the ballpark for this weekend because this is a fun team to watch. Uh, you know, you're, you're kind of at the point where wins and losses don't matter, right? You know, Nationals yep. fans, uh, you can just enjoy good players, fun talent, and I think this is a team that absolutely fits that bill. Uh, So I'm certainly looking forward to this series and and looking forward to the challenge of of seeing how Josiah Gray uh, responds to this offense because it can be a a very dangerous lineup. Yeah, keys to the game for me, avoid Corbin Carroll. Avoid him at all costs. You kind of brought him up there, and he's, he's not that big of a guy. He's wildly athletic. But when you watch him, you wouldn't really think you're like, oh, this this guy has like the size of uh, I'm trying to think of a small like a Luis Garcia type. But he's got huge pop. He can run. He can steal bases like nobody else. And he is a ton of fun to watch out there. So the Nationals will have their hands full going up against the Diamondbacks here in game three of the series. And as we've been saying, the Nationals play the Diamondbacks today. And you can catch every pitch of the Nats hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals there. So, all right, Matt, who wins today? Nats, Diamondbacks. Um, I guess let's say they got Merrill Kelly on the bump too. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have to say Diamondbacks are gonna take this game, but uh, you know the Nationals they're they're as pesky as they come. 
Uh, and I certainly Scrappy. think, that, you know, yeah, they're not a team I'm going to count out for sure. So I'll, I'll make the pick of the D-backs, but I would not be surprised uh, if the Nationals are able to pull out a win. I'll be Homer Simpson today. I'll, I'll pick the Nationals. Why not? Why not? Josiah Gray day, uh, but it could be a smoky day, as they say. So thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. And Matt, where can the people find you at? And uh, tell them everything they need to know. Yeah, yeah, you can uh, go find me over on Twitter at by Matt Wyrick. Uh, and all of my written work covering the Capitals and their offseason right now is over at NBCSportsWashington.com. We just revamped our website. Certainly go check that out. It looks uh, brand it's new. Awesome. It's pretty nice. So, um, yeah, go Caps, I guess. Go Caps. There we go. <laughs> all right, that's Matt Wyrick. I'm Ryan Clary. We'll catch you guys on the flip side. Go Nationals.